Hi, this is Bruce Hart of the Hart Foundation. Hi, this is David Ward, Director of Photography on Bloodsport, Director of Kickboxer. Hi, my name is Frank Dukes. Some of you might recognize my name from the movie Bloodsport. John Claude Van Damme portrays me in the movie. Hello, everyone. This is Ernie Reyes Sr., the star in Surf Ninjas, and I played the character as Zatch. This is Mohamed Kisi, alias Donko, in the movie Kickboxer with Jean-Claude Van Damme. This is Paul Herzog, composer of the music from Bloodsport and Kickboxer. Hi, this is Tony Luke Jr., a.k.a. Joey the Nail Nardone. This is Mike Riccioni, producer of Bloodsport 2. Hi, I'm Don the Dragon Wilson, also known as Jake Ray from Bloodfist. Hello, this is Haskell Vaughn Anderson III. I was Winston Taylor in the movie Kickboxer. You're listening to Justin Ray Hardy. Justin Ray Hardy's life is a different culture. It's a different world. You better come to terms with that, or you won't last the heart of heart. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Justin Harvey Show. Today is a very, very special show. Among all others, today we have... Grandmaster Vic Moore, and I am also told that he has a uh, special guest to introduce. So, without further ado, Grandmaster Vic Moore, the floor is yours. Okay, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Karateka. I am Grandmaster Vic Moore, and I'm going to be speaking with you, along with uh, my publicity director, Grandmaster Dr. Michael McGuire, who's also karate champion. I think I just like to hang around champions. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I'll let him give a little intro about myself so people won't think I'm too big-headed and egotistical by saying, I this, I this, and I did, and I did. I'll let somebody else say that. So, Dr. McGuire, if you want to go ahead and let the people know a little bit about me so when I start talking, they won't have to say, who's that guy? Who do you think he is? Where did he come from? Who turned him? Uh, what make him an authority? So if you give them a little insight, maybe they won't have all those questions to uh, plunder over. Mm-hmm. First, I would like to say thank you to Mr. Harvey who's doing a wonderful job with his radio program. The audience just praise him for what he's doing by enlightening the entire radio audience to what is out there and available for them to be educated on. And then I also would like to thank Mr. Vic Moore. He is the man who I say fought them all from the beginning of martial arts tournaments here in America. He's a predecessor of the late, great, old sensei Robert Trehez, who started the very first official and licensed karate school in the United States in 1946. Wow. Vic Moore won the very first world karate championship as an American in the United States. That's correct. He was the first African-American national champion but it also made him the first African-American world champion as well as American world champion. That's correct. But that came with a lot of problems that people didn't understand because during the time in America was going through segregation, 
so as the world champion, he wasn't allowed to walk through the front doors of tournament halls, especially those that was held in hotels and hall and studios and places. He was allowed to come through the back door, although he was the world champion. His name was on the marquee, but because he wasn't African American, he was forced to come through the back door. Until Robert Trias, who people didn't realize, a the head of the martial arts of America spoke up and said, "If he is the world champion, and mm-hmm. he can't come to the front door, you're gonna disappoint the crowd because there will be no tournament without him." And that's when karate actually officially changed when one man took a stand and said there will be no more discrimination in karate. Karate is a international sport. He beat some of the greatest, well, I'm going to say not some of the greatest, he beat the greatest, Mm -hmm. such name as the legendary Chuck Norris, you know, Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, absolutely. Actually, one of his posters. Mm -hmm. Yes. Walker, Texas Ranger, Mm -hmm. was one of Vic Moore's closest friends. They took multiple pictures together. He babysitted the man's children at tournaments when he had to fight and invite for his wife to take pictures. That's how close the friendships they were. That's right. He beat he beat the late great Joe Lewis, mm-hmm. a Vietnam veteran, you know, who was a good friend of his as well. Right. And Joe Lewis and Vic Moore had such a strong friendship and they was also enemies in the square circle. They introduced America to mm-hmm. American kickboxing live on the Merv Griffin show in 1969. That's right. However, the first American kickboxing tournament was held in 1961 and 1971 between Vic Moore and James Harrison. Mm-hmm. Now, Grandmaster Vic Moore, did you ever fight Super uh, Superfoot Bill Wallace? Yes, yes. I happened to uh, beat Bill Wallace at the uh, United States Karate World Championship in uh, 71, mm-hmm. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I also defeated the uh, great Mike Stone, who had 91 straight victory, and I defeated him for the light heavyweight championship of the world in uh, Pasadena, California in 69. Wow, that's that's amazing. I mean, you you basically you you feed you feed them all, Grandmaster Vic Moore. Well, that's one of my titles, uh, Mister Harvey. They call me the man that uh, fought them all and beat them all. Now, Mister Harvey, there's two things that you don't know about Grandmaster Moore mm-hmm. that you you will be surprised. The first of all, a lot of movies been made about Bruce Lee, and I'm a Bruce Lee fan. Let me first and foremost say that. I am too. America's children were Bruce Lee fans. Uh-huh. However, there's only been one American who can honestly say they defeated Bruce Lee. Okay. Which Grandmaster Vic Moore, mm-hmm. in a test of speed, Bruce Lee was defeated by the great Vic Moore. Wow. And it was reported. Now, you would not see that in a history book. 
Mm-hmm. Because it would have hurt the movie industry. It would have hurt the Asian martial arts if an American would have publicized that. So he was forced to swallow the pride and accept the denial of that being publicized all these years. Wow. Well, the writers, they never wanted to write about the minorities. Of course, this is Black History Month anyway. Uh, we might can educate some of the people on black history. But during those days, the 50s, the 60s, and early 70s, well, even today, the writers don't really write about the minorities now anyway. Like all these guys wrote these history books and magazines and all the O'Hare and uh, Lennox and, and, and all of them. They don't write about the blacks. They don't write about the minorities that much. Oh, they may mention us because we defeated someone or did something, and that's just about it. You know, a little inch of space, but the other guys, they got a full page, they got a front uh, covered page, and, and et cetera, et cetera. They just don't want to write about the minorities, so the general public don't get to hear about mm-hmm. who's who and who did what, because history is made by those that write it. And if it wasn't written, then it just really didn't happen in the eyes of of the people. Mm-hmm. Now, now this fight with you and Bruce Lee, uh, Grandmaster Vic Moore. Um, well, it wasn't so much, uh, Mr. Harvey, a fight. Uh, Bruce Lee people wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they wanted to try and show that Bruce Lee was just as fast, just as good as any of the national champions. He had been questioned many times. How would you stack up against the real champions, the ones that's out there fighting? Mm-hmm. And being that he never fought in any competition and never beat anyone, well, he's just going off of his movie credits. So, but in the uh, real ring, the reality, how would he stack up with his speed? So at the Internationals in California, uh, in 1967, Ed Parker announced that we have Kato the Green Hornet, who was Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. and he challenged any of us national champions to a speed drill to see who's the fastest. He says that he has a punch that is so fast he can come in and tag us in the chest and come out without us touching it. Well, no one really responded to his challenge. We took it as a joke. A lot of people laughed and said, well, who's he? He's just a movie star. He hasn't beaten anyone. He hasn't competed in any national tournament or any tournament. So who is he? Mm-hmm. And the snicker kind of went around. Uh, well, what's in it for us? A movie role? Some money? <laughs> it was that uh, uh, arrogance among uh, all of the karate guys, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ed Parker said to Master Triz as he walked over toward the USKA, uh, group. He says, maybe Bruce Lee is that fast. Master Tria says, I have some fellows here that just as fast, I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh absolutely. Artie Simmons, Jimmy Jones, and Vic Moore, we all were sitting there together. So he told one of us to get on up there. We kind of waved our hand. I, well, who's he? He's just a movie star. Master Tria says, Vic, get up there. Well, naturally, when you instruct to speak, you got to jump. So I ran on up there. Bruce Lee says he's going to come in, tag me in the chest, and come out, and he's going to back up four steps and do it. And I had to 
having to repeat that for the crowd. I say, you say you're going to do what? He repeated, and I say, now how in the world he's going to, he can't be that fast to myself. I said, lightning is fast, but heck, I darn near keep up with lightning. <laughs> so he got back, and he come in. He asked if I was ready. I nodded my head, yes. He come in to punch to the chest, and I blocked it. Well, the crowd go wild. Whoa, did you see that block? Vic Moore is fast. Bruce Lee was a little embarrassed, and he wanted to ask, uh, well, can we do it again? I said, well, sure, yeah, come on. So he got back. He asked if I was ready. I said, yes. He come in the second time, lighting his speed, and I blocked it. <clears throat> the guy she using, you know, pump hill block, you know. Mm-hmm. I could tell every time he was getting ready to move anyway because he telegraphing that. Mm-hmm. Well, he was really embarrassed. The crowd was hooping and hollering. There was a loud noise up in the audience, and I kind of glanced off, and he came in and struck uh, a little backhand strike at the head Mm -hmm. like he was trying to sneak one in. And when my eyes glanced back, I just kind of swung at it like you hit at a fly, and I laughed at him. I said, now, what's that? You're supposed to be punching to the chest, and here you're trying to sneak one in at the head, and you see, and I wasn't looking. Mm-hmm. And I started laughing. I, it really took a minute. I was bending over to the ground laughing. And he was pretty much embarrassed. He reached out and pat me on the arm and said, Boy, you're fast. You're the fastest American I ever seen. Mm-hmm. I said, Well, let me show you how it's really done. Because he was getting ready to walk away. And I said, Hold it. Let me show you how it's done. I came in and I threw a punch at his chest the same distance away after asking him if he was ready. He says yes, and I tagged him in the chest and came out. He missed, so he was embarrassed. He was astonished. I said, we'll go again. I came in, tagged him the second time, hit him harder in the chest, came out. He missed. Mm-hmm. Well, by this time, the crowd is hooping and hollering. They're kind of booing him, you know. Oh, that's the Greenhorn. Oh, that's the Bruce Lee. Well, I felt sorry for him. He looked like he was about in tears, and I... Uh, said, well, we'll go again, and I just came in with a regular punch pretty much because I felt sorry for him, and and let him, he blocked that one. So that's why I say uh, four out of six times, or actually it was five, because that last punch that he threw at the head was two and a half feet away. He never even came close for it to even count to be blocked, but he's supposed to have been punching to the chest, but he tried to sneak one in at the end. And uh, there are some lines on the floor that can uh, show that, that he never even came close, if you look at the footage on the YouTube and all. And they show that one punch over and over, Mr. Harvey. They try to make it look like he's throwing three and four, five, six punches. One guy, O'Hara, I believe his name is, he wrote a book that the Bruce Lee had a speed punch and had the world champion Vic Moore up there, and he came in and punched eight or nine times, and Vic Moore couldn't block any of them. That's a bold-faced tale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the footage will show that. He only threw three punches. Mm-hmm. And I blocked the first two, and the third one wasn't even close, but he steps in like he might have been close enough uh, to strike. Mm-hmm. And then they don't even show the punches that I threw. Mm-hmm. So somebody out there got the footage, but they don't want it to be seen because, like I said, the um, 
writers, they don't want to write about the minorities. They got their favorite, and that's what they write about and what they show. But uh, someone is going to come up with the complete footage. We don't have all the footage. You only see that one little uh, segment mm-hmm. with him throwing uh, that one punch to the head. But some of the footage, you'll see the first two punches coming to the chest, which was blocked. It's so fast, you can't hardly tell it that good because of the angle of the cameras and all and the uh, uh, unclarity of it. But uh, the individuals that was there mm-hmm. have spoke out. They know that uh, I beat Bruce Lee, and uh, everybody's wondering, well, why won't they show the punches that Vic Morris threw? <laughs> so, again, it's kind of one-sided. But uh, as far as Bruce Lee being a good actor, yes, he was a very good actor. But, and but, um, he but, helped bring more people into the martial arts than anyone. But as me and you were talking the other day, being an actor um, is great and all, but being a martial artist and being an actor are two different things. In some very act- much so. And people say that he's the greatest karate man of all time. He was the fastest. He was the best. You know, he was a champion, you know, champions and all. And <laughs> Well, to be labeled a champion, you had to compete. How can you be labeled a champion and you never competed? Exactly. And if you competed, you must have won. So mm-hmm. how can you label yourself a golf champion and you never play golf against anyone? <laughs> you're going to say you're a baseball champion, yeah. you're a home run hitter, and you never played baseball against anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, some people just live in a dream world, a fantasy world, mm-hmm. and uh, we can't take anything away from his acting. He was a great actor, had a lot of charisma. I enjoyed his movies and all. Uh, I enjoyed his charisma, face expression and all, but that's for play. Movies is for play. Superman is not real. Batman is not real. The Hulk wasn't real. They were real individuals, the two of them, but mm-hmm. uh, people seem to think that what they see in the movie is real. They got some of him doing demonstrations, playing uh, ping pong with a set of nunchucks. Some people believe that. They don't know that the cameras can make you look like you're doing anything in the world that they want. And, and plus, there's uh, plus there's stunt doubles, Grandmaster Vic Moore, and and people that can look like you and, and do things for you, and people would never even know, you know, that it was somebody else. Yeah, know? yeah. But like, but uh, the real champions are out there. Mm-hmm. We know who we are. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the original champions. I started uh, competing back in the late 50s and uh, uh, 60s there. And when the first tournaments in the United States and the major tournaments was popping up, I was there and I was winning. Oh, I, absolutely. And, and I got I got to compliment you on this and ask you about this because this is too good not to tell. You are the first person to ever train a chimpanzee karate. <laughs> Dr. McGuire, <laughs> you want to tell him about my chimp? 
Dr. McGuire. You still there, Dr. McGuire? I think we lost him. I think we might have lost him there. Uh-huh. Yeah, he have to keep reminding me so many times I forget to speak about my champ. People said, who is your hardest competitor? Well, besides the big Mike Foster back in 65 at the USK Grand National, I have to put my chimp up there because training that chimp, oh, that was a big task. Uh-huh. Yeah, the uh, chimpanzee, when I got her, she was four years of age. Mm-hmm. When a chimp reached that maturity age of four, you generally have to get rid of them because they can't be used for any acting shows and stuff of that nature. Because they have four times the strength of a human. They're very vicious, very strong, mm-hmm. hard to handle. Well, that's when I got her. So I had to take her and train her. We fought every day. Uh-huh. And if I didn't know jujitsu, judo, aikido, karate, weightlifting, boxing, I wouldn't have been able to handle that chip. That gym, I believe sometimes looked at me and said, this is one hell of a fight here. This guy's crazy. <laughs> Which maybe I was back in the days because I fought tough. I fought hard, had to because of the prejudice that was uh, out there. Mm-hmm. But I trained the chimp to do karate, mm-hmm. trained her to do the stances, the blocks, punches, strikes, and kicks and all. We went to various tournaments, and we demonstrated we demonstrated true karate, and I took it upon Mr. Harvey as a uh, challenge that I could train anybody or anything that had a mind and wanted to learn. So why don't these guys teach people the real karate instead of having them jump and run around and do all that crazy stuff? I says that's not karate. So I took it as a challenge to take a chimpanzee and teach a chimpanzee to get down in stances and perform blocks, punches, strikes, and kicks. Mm-hmm. And she was very successful with it. As I said, we went to tournaments, and we demonstrated at various tournaments. And uh, the crowd was amazed. Karate people was amazed that here's a chimpanzee doing real karate. And there are some of these karate people out there even to this day. It's not doing real karate. People don't know uh, the difference between kickboxing, boxing, karate. Just jumping up and down, slapping and punching is doing karate. Wow. Karate is an art and a science. Yeah, that's amazing. And and Grandmaster Vic Moore, if if you want to get back a hold of your student, we can always pick this back up if you need to. If you want to try to get a hold of your student, um, we can also, we can we can pick this back up if you need to. Okay, I'll, I'll give him a hold there. All right. So, sounds good. I'll, I'll be here, sir, if you want to go ahead and get a hold of him. That way we can get him into the show. And, and I'm okay, not- all righty. We'll, we'll ring right back. Uh, okay, no problem. Alrighty. Sorry about the um sorry about these technical difficulties. We lost uh Grandmaster Vic Moore student and I wanted to make sure that he was included in this wonderful, wonderful interview. So welcome back, gentlemen. Yes, okay. Doctor McGuire, it'd be good to kinda of tell the people some of your history as well. 
He won't okay. such a good job telling people about me. But, uh, well, listen, I told him there were two things I wanted to say about you. Well, you know, being the first African-American world champion, that would put him in the category of what? Jackie Robinson, being the first African-American in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Jesse Owens, first African-American to get five gold medals in the Olympics. Yeah, one of my heroes. Okay. Obama, being the first African-American president. Nelson Mandela, being the first African-American president of Africa. Mm-hmm. Or African president of Africa. You see how it goes along? It plays a part. The things that he has done, it sets a history presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was coming up in the martial arts up under him, I found out something about him that he didn't even know. I went in the World Book Encyclopedia and looked up karate. Mm-hmm. And who they have in there? It has Big Moore in there. I'm like, what? And it said Big Moore and Joe Lewis battles back and forth for world championship the greatest two fighters in karate. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it, That's and I'm true. like, I trained with Vic Moore. I trained with Joe Lewis, two guys who settled in North Carolina, both coincident. One was in the military. One came here to train the military. Mm-hmm. That's and, right. you know, the coincidence was those were the only two names at the time that was in the World Book Encyclopedia. Not his instructor, but those two names, and it stood out. And then it says the only person to train a chimpanzee in the art of karate. I, I actually, actually, sir, when we lost you, we were actually we were actually discussing that, and um, me and Grandmaster Vic Moore wanted you to um, talk a little bit about um, Vic Moore training his chimpanzee. <laughs> When we lost, oh, wow. Okay. Well, let me tell you, Trudy was my sweetheart. That was her name. I talked about Trudy was the name of the chimpanzee, was Mm -hmm. a superstar. There was probably more articles written about Trudy, what he did in training Trudy, than they would write about him. Because Mm -hmm. Trudy was a chimpanzee of amazing feet. Yeah. Trudy could run a karate class. So they would write articles about Trudy and do a small fine print about Vic Moore, the instructor. Mm-hmm. Even as the world champion, they would write a big article, Trudy, the karate champion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you understand? And would neglect Vic Moore. Wow. Yeah, because he was African American at the time. And I'm not trying to be racist, but, you know, that's how America was back then. Uh-huh. But without Vic Moore, there's never been a Trudy. The chimpanzee got movie roles. He was in two movies. He was on national television. PM Magazine. And Magazine. PM Magazine was a television talk show, which was the first TV talk show magazine. Wow, that's amazing now. Now, was the... Like, was the chimpanzee very well behaved at first, or... Oh, not at first when I first got her, but I had to discipline her, you know, see. Mm. Mm. McGuire? Behave? (laughs) He 
had to fight to train that chimpanzee. Yeah. That chimpanzee came from the wild. Mm-hmm. That chimpanzee was not a chimpanzee raised as a pet now. Mm-hmm. No. He had to train that chimpanzee like you would a child growing up. Now, did did did, she, uh, did the chimpanzee do sign language or anything like that to communicate with? No, her? but she understood English. She actually lived in a total human environment. She dressed herself, shampooed her hair, brushed her teeth. She was potty trained. She slept in a bed. She could fix uh, bacon and eggs. She could fix a bowl of cereal. Uh, take some coins, go into the corn machine that was in the uh, karate studio and get the flavor that she wanted. She'd go outside, sit up on the uh, parking meter and drink her Coke, you know. <laughs> she, would she would collect money from passerbyers, park their car, and deposit into the meter for the customers. And the people would be so amazed with that. Mm-hmm. And they'd take pictures of her putting their money into the meter and they knew what time they were supposed to come back and we put the deposit. Wow, that that's amazing. Now, Doctor Moore, do you have do you have video of um Trudy? Because I would love to see some video of Trudy sometime. Yeah, we have a few uh pictures, but what would be really neat is to get some of the uh T V station footage of her doing uh her episodes, uh Cooking and shooting pool. She played eight ball. And, oh, oh man, that did some of everything. She lived, as I said, in a total human environment. One of the magazines says, "If you can call doing karate a human environment." <laughs> I mean, because to me, Doctor Moore, you 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 doing this and training this chimpanzee to do karate. That is history in itself, you know, I mean. Oh, very definitely. You know, people speak about Vic Moore beating Bruce Lee. Of course, a lot of people doubt it, you know. He was the fastest. He was, well, he really wasn't the fastest, you know. He was a good actor. But training that chimp was real. And uh, uh, that was a rougher, tougher job than beating Bruce Lee. I mean, there are several champions, I'm pretty sure, would have beaten Bruce Lee. But uh, training a chimpanzee, I was the only person in the world to train a chimpanzee to do karate. And she was labeled the smartest chimpanzee by the USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, Veterinary Services. That's amazing. Mr. Hart, are you still with Yes, sir. Mr. Hart, by him training a chimpanzee, it gave me the inspiration of training students in martial arts with special needs. Yes. I opened a total martial arts school of students with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And you right. did disabilities as possibilities and had it witnessed by the Secretary of State of North Carolina mm-hmm. and took them around the nation competing in tournaments. And some even went to the World Martial Arts Millennium Games in 2000. Yes, I remember that. And the reason be because Grandmaster Bigmore would tell us, if I can teach a chimpanzee martial arts, mm-hmm. no martial arts student of mine that makes it to the rank of Shodan should ever turn down a student that tries. Because if they can put forth the effort to try, you can put forth the effort to teach them. 
because everybody is teachable. And we both, uh, Mr. Harvey, have taught uh, individuals that's in wheelchairs. I have a student now. He has cerebral palsy up in Kinston, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, when I first started working with him, he couldn't hardly walk good, couldn't speak good, and karate has turned him over uh, 200-fold. I mean, his uh, speed, right. his uh, balance, uh, everything has improved immensely. And also Dr. McGuire there, he had a whole class of uh, handicapped uh, students. But I've trained several over over the years, and... I encourage all karate people to reach out and work with our handicapped and disabled. But also, Grandmaster, we both have been in that same position ourselves of being wheelchair-restricted. We're walkers and walk with a cane ourselves. So we know what it's like to be in their shoes. It's not like it's something we look at and open our mouth and our eyes are wide open. We have been in that ourselves and through martial arts training, God has allowed us to come out of that condition and get back to what we were before. Not 100%, we're back at 80% of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Doctor, said, I can remember when you was in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and you continued to exercise, do what you had to do, and now look where you at. You go back able to drive, you're able to walk now. And mm-hmm. there was time we thought we got to push you around for the rest of your life. That's right. Martial arts is doing that, and I wish everybody who is in a wheelchair or walking with crutches, they could be a mental disability. That's or right. Can be doesn't matter. They can learn martial arts because you do martial arts every single day. Every day of your life, you do martial arts. Absolutely, uh, Doctor McGuire, because I'm actually a testament of that because. I have uh, cerebral palsy, and I study with uh, the Grandmaster uh, Frank Dukes, and I've even had people people in college, college teachers, tell me that um, I would never have my own radio show, and that was not feasible for me to do, and, and that's what I'm doing right now. Anything that someone has told me that I can't do, I've gone out and proved them wrong. Now, it's ironically you mentioned Frank Dukes. It's ironic you missed Frank Duke. He was a young, big kid. <laughs> the day that Bruce went against Big Moore. Two young guys in their prime back then. And after Big Moore beat Frank, beat, beat uh, Bruce Lee, you know, Big Moore and Frank Duke had a little light sparring match. Wow, Frank. Oh, the kid wanted to learn. Man. He said he wanted to be the best. I said to be the best, That's you got to right. fight the best. <laughs> and the only man that I can say that gave Big Moore a great challenge, in my opinion, mm-hmm. was Frank Duke. I have nothing but praise and honor for Grandmaster Frank Duke and his dark sunglasses. Oh, I, because I, that big kid, that big kid back then is the man who honored Big Moore with much respect and pride. Yeah, and he's a also, testimony. I mean, and he's a testimony for Big Moore on that day. We both was there. Uh-huh. Me and my father was there, and Frank Duke was there. Now, we are three testimonies when the legendary Bruce Lee mm-hmm. lost in that test of speed. Also, uh, Steve Sanders Muhammad. He's in Orlando, Georgia now, there, but he used to be out in California. And, he beat Man, all Parker the top Jr. champions out the way he was there. And he testified that uh, 
Mary I was faster than Bruce Lee, and I beat him. He says he was in the crowd, and he was one of them hooping and hollering, saying, go, go. Did you see Vic Moore beat Bruce Lee? <laughs> you know, a lot of people was there, but that here's the thing, and I'm going to be honest with you. Uh-huh. If it would have got out at that time of history, martial arts movies would not make the money they're making now. Because uh, all the choreographed scenes, and mm-hmm. seeing the movies would not be allowed because then the punches and the hits that you see, they couldn't make the next movie because they had to be more realistic. And the person been too hurt to get back up to do it again, another movie. They mm-hmm. been broken up. Because in a real tournament, you really got hit. And mm-hmm. you didn't fight the next day like you see in the movies or the next 15 minutes or an hour or so in the movies. Those guys do a fight scene as brutal as they may look and fight 30 seconds later another scene. That's not reality. When you really fight in a karate match, when that match is over with, you have to heal those wounds. You do not fight another tournament right away. It's impossible because you are fighting for the prize. And if you're fighting for the prize, you're only going to fight to win. When you fight to win, you're giving your all, your opponent's giving your all. So when Vic Moore fought anybody like Mike Stone, who was a great martial artist, yeah. or Nard, who was a great champion, he fought Jim yeah. Harris, a great champion. When he fought Joe Lewis, mm-hmm. Theo Wallace, those yeah, were great All of them were great fighters. Artists. None of those guys were nobody. They were great people. Uh-huh. They fought Vic Moore. They fought great persons. So those are guys that he respected. Yes. Those guys were not known for their movie roles. They were known for what they did in the ring. Yes, yes. they got parts in movies, but it wasn't the movies that made them who they were. It's when they dined on that OB around their waist, and they had that on with their proudness and the tears and the sweat they went through, and they shook that man's hand across the ring from them before the match, and after the match, that's what made them a great martial artist. Uh, amazing. Now, Dr. McGuire, if you don't mind for my audience, talk about how you got connected with uh, Dr. Vic Moore, please, if you don't mind, how you actually got connected. I'm about some of your victories, too, your yeah. competition okay. days. I'm going to start with Vic Moore. Me, Curtis Teasley, David Corbin, uh... Lamont Lindsay, uh, Ricky McClain. Oh, you're going way back. Um, God, what's the guy? He lives in Washington State right now. Big dude. We all would go to Big Moore School and look in the window. And I had already been doing martial arts with my father before, who was a Kempo stylist, left in McGuire. And I would peep in the window. And we would come to his school, and we actually do karate. Mm-hmm. Big Moore would give us a broom and say, clean up. After we clean up his floor, can we do karate? He said, go home. <laughs> we come back again, sweep his floor, we clean up, he send you back home. Mm-hmm. After a period of time, those guys stopped coming. But I kept coming. Then he started showing us some stuff. <laughs> After a while, I started doing karate. Well, I left and I joined the military. Mm-hmm. 
didn't have no choice. Judge Dupree made me go into the military, to be honest with you. I got in trouble. Got sent back to Fort Bragg. Got assigned to the 7 Special Forces. Guess who would train the 7 Special Forces? Victor Moore. <laughs> he wasn't Vic Moore then. He was Victor Moore. Victor Moore. Oh, I was strict. He worked out to death. That's amazing. I mean, and, and uh, you do have your um, you do have your doctorate too, correct? Yes, I'm a psychologist. Oh, okay, cool, cool, awesome. That's, that's okay. Amazing. And I work in juvenile behavior, and mm-hmm. I'm alcoholic substance counselor. But I didn't like Vic Moore. I'll be honest with you. And I tell him to his face, I didn't like him not one bit. I don't like him now. But you can't help but love him <laughs> because he's hard on me now. I'm straight. Wrong man. He's still hard on me. I'm he hard. Keeps black belt straight. I'm sixty. I mean, six years old, May seventeenth. He's still hard on me. But that again, that's the respect that he demands. And my students bow to him every time they see him because I instill that in them. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to like Big Moore. You're going to respect Vic Moore, but they tell you you can't help but love him because what you learn from him is to be the best at what you can be. Now, how that has helped me along the way in martial arts, mm-hmm. I formed a team called Team Dragon Force. And it was a crash circuit called the MAT, Martial Arts Tournament Tours. Under the teaching of Vic Moore, I became the very first heavyweight champion. Wow. Now, karate, that, when I was doing it, competing mm-hmm. in the mat was not the same karate that Big Moore then went through. Because when Big Moore was doing karate, we did not, they did not wear the same pattern that June recreated that we're wearing now. Mm-hmm. Let me get that cleared. Because when Big Moore was fighting... He didn't get to wear the fancy headgear, the chest protectors, the foot gear, the hand gear, and all that because his afro would have gotten messed up, mm-hmm. first of all. And he supplied that afro. Your head better have been hard enough to take them punches, and your chest better have been okay. tough enough to take them. <laughs> no, that's the first, that's the first thing, okay? And they did leg sweeps. He, he refused to go down. If he was going down, he would let his head get the ground because his hair was too pretty. <laughs> That's the first thing I'm going to tell you that now. So we wore the headgears. I mean, I fought in an era before the safety gear. When I won the championship, I was in an era where we wore the headgears. Mm-hmm. After the match, I went into the PPK uh, uh, NBL, National Black Belt League, up on the board side there. The match was owned by the Green Brothers, which is Grandmaster Lacey Green, which is another disciple of Vic Moore. Mm-hmm. Wayne Green and Kenny Green. Kenny Green at that time was the president of the MAT. Lacey was vice president, and Wayne was the executive vice president. And those three brothers ran the MAT. We were the number three martial arts circuit in America. Then it was the NASCAR, which was Joe Curry's circuit, and the NBL, which was Boris Lydell. Well, my team, Dragon Force, ran through NASCAR. Uh, that's, that's Paul Mitchell came and dethroned us. 
how yeah. he dethroned us because mm-hmm. he had money and he bought my players. He mm-hmm. bought my number one fighter, which was Raymond Daniels. Mm-hmm. He told this young man, I'll pay your college and I'll buy you a car of your choice if you leave Team Dragon Force and come to Team Paul Mitchell. Mm-hmm. He hired a coach named mm-hmm. Don Rodriguez to coach Team Paul Mitchell, who mm-hmm. was working for Boris uh, Lydell for Team Smash. Mm-hmm. He paid Don Rodriguez to come. But prior to that, at the Battle of Atlanta, 1999, they brought the Korean national team over. Mm-hmm. Bill Wallace and Joe Lewis were the guest commentators. And Team Paul Mitchell and Team Dragon Force came together, and we fought the Team Korean. Mm-hmm. Grandmaster Kim from Korea who brought out his new safety glide, safety gear that he produced, which is a good gear, by the way. I have praised for the safety gear that he produced, coach the team career. They said no cameras going to be allowed in the building. So everybody had to take out all the cameras. <coughs> Wayne Eastland was there at the match, for example. From the yeah. mat, he's the only person I remember from the mat. And Juanita Riley was there. Mm-hmm. Billy Blanks was there. Ernest Miller, the Cat Miller from WWE Records, had with WCW, was there. Uh, I'm trying to get a hold Bill of Goldberg. Ernest the Cat Miller at the moment. I'm actually trying to find him at the moment to see if he'll. <coughs> I'm actually in the process of trying to find Ernest the Cat Miller. He would be a good show. So. Yes, okay, he's in Atlanta, Georgia. Bill Goldberg was there. Uh, who was a big superstar there? Uh, Shockey was there. Don um, Wilson was there. Al DeCarker was there. Mark DeCarker was there. Um, uh, what's the name? Joe Pesky was there. A lot of top names um, from from uh, Mission Impossible, not the the real Mission Impossible. Uh-huh. Philip Morrison was there. His daddy was there. All these guys were there at the Battle of Atlanta. Team Dragon Force and Team Paul Mitchell merged together to create Team USA, and we beat Team Korea so bad. Uh huh. That at that time, my student, the last fight he had with Team Dragon Force, knocked the Korean champion out of the ring, completely out of the ring, over the ropes. He went into the audience. Wow. Bill Wallace pulled me off the stage Mm -hmm. and said, Mikey, I know you're a student of Bill, of Vic Moore. Mm -hmm. I know you trained with Joe Lewis son but you did one thing wrong. I said, Bill, we just beat the Korean national team that won the gold medal in the Olympics. We the man. We the man. He said, Mikey, you did one thing wrong. Yes, y'all won, but you still lost. I said, how? Anytime you beat the Koreans, you have to beat them kicking. Mm-hmm. I stood there crying. 
because Vic Moore always did leg sweeps and thousand kicks. And I didn't do that. I used my hands so much. I know Korean stylists do not use their hands as much. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to prove that the karate hands were better than the Korean legs. And I defeated myself internally. Mm-hmm. I won the match. Now, now, for my audience, Dr. McGuire, can, can you be found on social media such as um, Facebook and Twitter? Or I don't, I don't put nothing on Facebook and Twitter, mm-hmm. and I have a personal reason why. Uh, oh, okay. My fans might have stuff me, but I don't do the social media thing. Mm-hmm. And people keep telling me I should do that, but I haven't done that. I do. I have a Facebook, and my guys, uh, my administrative office up and around, but, uh, is getting on to I me because you, I, I don't blog. Stuff. i got to start doing that stuff y'all call blogging and speaking up. Stuff. I need to do that because I have so much knowledge and information to put out. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, I, I'm an old school soldier from Vietnam, and mm-hmm. so... Social media is what I'm afraid of because, let me give you a good example. The gentleman that went to Korea, went and visited North Korea, uh-huh. who was in the North Korean War, mm-hmm. and they kept him over there. That's part of my fear of social media. I I see. I, I, under, I understand. I, I just, the reason I was asking, sir, is so I can give you the opportunity to promote your pages, you know. But, yes, I'm going to set up a new web page. Now, I'm forced to do this now because I belong to the Vic Moore World Traditional Karate Association, and so I don't have no choice now to set up a new web page and link it in with him. And mm-hmm. that I will do. But, uh, and I. And excuse me, you know, speaking of our Traditional World Karate Association, that's an organization, uh, uh, Justin Harvey that I started back in 75 when I seen karate going downhill from the movies. Everybody was kung fu fighting and everybody wanted to be a karate instructor because of the movies and all the Bruce Lee movies and everybody started opening up karate schools. They wasn't qualified. They go and watch a few movies and promote themselves to a black belt. They take two or three lessons and promote themselves to a black belt and open up karate schools. And they didn't know stances, they didn't know any blocks, punches, strikes, and kicks. And I said, how in the world can you call yourself a karate person? Mm-hmm. Well, I formed the uh, Traditional World Karate Association back in 75 that have a set of standards because I got with all the guys and I said, we got to maintain our techniques in karate. Otherwise, karate is just going to be a joke, and that's what it is in this day and time. It's just a joke. Uh, people don't know stances. They think jumping up and down, bouncing in and out and around is karate. They think throwing jab punches and stuff is karate. They don't know that we punch a certain way in karate. We kick a certain way. We have what is called bone alignment. They don't know that we have perimeters of the stances, level of the stances. We move from one stance to another by sliding, crossing, gliding, you know, and all. They don't do all of this stuff. They don't even know the pressure points, the nerve centers, the anatomy of the body. All they know to do is jump up and down and punch each other in the chest. They knew that stuff before they start taking karate. Why in the world they want to 
pay you to take karate and do the same thing that they were already doing. Now, I get on Facebook a lot of times. You guys out there, y'all uh, see some of my comments. <clears throat> some of you have already gotten mad at me. Because when I see you throwing these kicks straight up in the air with your toes pointed, I may comment on it. I say, that's not a karate kick. Nice ballet move <clears throat> or gymnastic move. And I don't have anything against ballet or gymnastics. I took ballet. I was in Nutcracker Suite and the King and I. I don't have nothing against gymnastics. I was on Hughes High School gymnastic team. We were all state. But I don't want to see gymnastics and uh, ballet in my karate. Karate is an art of itself. And you can't come in there doing anything and everything and call yourself doing karate. When I go to see a basketball game and I get my hot dog and popcorn and grab back and and out come these guys and they doing football, I'm disappointed. If I go to see an ice skating show and, and they come out tap dancing, I'm disappointed. So when I go to see a karate tournament, I want to see karate, not boxing, not street fighting, not kickboxing, not MMA or anything else. And that MMA is not even MMA. Of course, Joe Lewis and I, we introduce kickboxing and all. Mm-hmm. But uh, these guys are just doing regular street fighting. Heck, you can go to the bar, grab two guys off the bar stoop, and do that crap that they're doing now. Go to the park, get some kids out of the park, and put belts on them and uniforms, and they're doing that same stuff. That is not karate. And these parents, they take their kids to a tournament, and uh, they all get trophies just for being there, and they come home. Oh, yeah, look at the trophies. They didn't do karate. They just jumped around and slapped and fell around on the floor. It's, they just done made a, a joke out of karate. So the Traditional World Karate Association mm-hmm. have a set of standards that every karate school follows. Mm-hmm. you got to have discipline. you got to have dojo procedures. you you got to have stances. Blocks, punches, strikes, kicks, self-defense, kata, self-defense, kumite. you got to have all of the aspects this day and time. Well, Vic, we don't do those funny little stances. Then you're not doing karate. Well, Vic, my karate school, we don't do all those funny little blocks and stuff. Then you're not doing karate. Mm-hmm. You can't keep taking out the elements of karate and call yourself doing karate. And these guys throwing the sidekick, and they're leaning way over. And then when I comment on Facebook, you know, your back should be straight. They get mad. Well, uh, <laughs> and one other thing we want to talk about before we close up, and that's these kids wearing these different belts. These kids are five, six, seven, eight, nine years old wearing black belts. That's ridiculous. I wish you guys would stop it, you bastardizing karate. They're too young to be a black belt. Anybody under 12 years of age, to you parents, Mm -hmm. they just giving your kid a black belt to stay in the karate school to make their school look good, to make more money. A child under 12 is too young to be a black belt. And how can you have a black belt division at five, six, and seven years of age? It takes that long to get a black belt. I need to interrupt you. Yeah, I interrupt you. Mr. Harvey. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? I'm going to interrupt Grandmaster Moore. I'm going to argue with you on that, sir. It's okay. 
to make a five-year-old black belt. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay to make a five-year-old black belt. Walmart sell black belts. Kmart sell black belts. Family Dollar sell black belts. Dollar General sell black belts all day long. They sell red belts, blue belts, green belts at Walmart for ladies all day long. But on the day that we gave you your award for me, Gene, being the highest of high of the martial arts around here, mm-hmm. the eleven year old girl stood beside me. She said, Sir, when are you gonna make black belt? I was wearing my red belt that day. And I said, Say again? She said, Yes, after this tournament, my instructor said if I win, I get promoted to black belt. And it's my eleventh birthday today. I went straight to Johnny Wilson and bought me a new black belt, took my red belt, all rolled it up and put it in my bag. And that was what, three years ago? Yeah. January seventeenth. Three years ago. Wow. And I said, I cannot stand beside a child wearing the same color belt as me. So when I have a new student, I tell them the belt history and the color of the belt and what it means. And I have a student named Kiana Harris. Mm-hmm. And she said, Grandmaster McGuire, I have a dream of one day becoming a red belt. I have a dream of becoming a black belt. But she told me that she was in a match against a student, and it shattered her dream. I said, what do you mean? She said, I was a white belt, and we was grappling, and the kid I was grappling was wearing a red belt. And she said, I beat that red belt, and it shattered my dream. I said, how did it shatter your dream? She said, it shattered my dream because if I look forward to becoming a black belt or a red belt one day, which is the highest belt after black belt, and I already beat that red belt in a karate tournament, in a grappling tournament, at a karate tournament, why would I want to become a red belt? And my stomach dropped out completely. So I had to sit that student down and explain to her that the red belt she wore didn't have no authority or the weight it wore. And I grabbed her instructor and said, my student want to know why is your student wearing a red belt? My school authorized her to wear a red belt. I said, what do your instructor wear? Oh, she wears a red belt. So your student is equal to your instructor, your grandmaster. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me like he was dumbfounded. Now, so I'm going to give you a scenario, the importance of the color red, if you don't mind. If we have enough time. you have time, Grandmaster Moore? Yes. Mm-hmm. Explain a little bit about the red okay. belt. I'm going to give you about the color red. That's going to lead to the red belt. Mm-hmm. First of all, Mr. Harvey, do you believe in God before I go any further? Because it's going to be mentioned in his server time. Do you believe in God? I, absolutely. Okay, do you believe in God? Very much so. Okay, I have to ask you that because God will be mentioned throughout my statement I'm going to say. In the beginning, according to the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Yes. And the earth was dark. Okay, it was darkness. And out of the darkness came the light. And the light came from the darkness. 
So out of darkness came the light, and the light came from the bright red sun. So from the beginning, when God created the heaven and earth, if the red sun came after the darkness, and then the bright red, the bright light was after the fact. So that's the first start of it. And then as I think about things, as things go along, okay, whenever I was Let me say something, just in case he lost any of you, the comparison is that the red came after the black and that that must be the highest. All right, carry on. It's the highest. Look how above far the earth it is. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing about it now. You can't stare the bright sun in the eye. You can't take the naked eye and look directly into the bright red sun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the end of the Bible, to Revelations. And I read the Bible from cover to cover. When John described Jesus Christ, he said his eyes were red, red as fire. fire. If his eyes were red as fire, you couldn't look him in the face because his eyes were red as fire. He being the highest of high is his description. He's the son of God. No man is higher than Jesus Christ. Red has a significance again. The significance of the red. When Moses went to go see God, okay, God had that burning bush. The burning bush. Because Moses could not look at God face to face because it was so, he said God was so bright, red, burning. Mm-hmm. Red again mentioned. The significance of the red. The significance of the red. I was watching the Oscars. Remember when the Oscars was on last month? You know, in January, you see the Oscars, the Grammys, all the top awards come out. <clears throat> the first thing you know, you see ropes on the side of the carpet, right? Black mm-hmm. ropes on the left, red, black uh, ropes on the right. But a red carpet choop, is laid out. Mm-hmm. Only the top stars get to walk the red carpet. But everybody else on the outside of that black belt. Significant of the red. That's the significant of the red. When Queen Elizabeth walks out of the big castle in England, mm-hmm. it's always a red carpet walks rolls out in front of her. Mm-hmm. If by chance you look at flags of all nations, look at the, the top nations of the world. Every top nation. Now, I know there's a little bit of other countries, but the top countries of the world have to have some color red in their flag, to include America. The significance of the red. The significance of the red. Now, karate came from the Asian countries. We'll start with them first. Mm-hmm. Let's use China. Bahamarama, or Dharama, however you want to call him, came mm-hmm. from India to China, mm-hmm. to a martial arts, China, woo, had red in their flag, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Japan. The rising big, red flag with the white background, correct? Mm-hmm. Japan, big red sun mm-hmm. with the white background, right? Mm-hmm. 
Korea had a red karate karate from coming from Japan. Look, coming from Japan. Korea has a red sun with sun rays with a white background. Significance of the red. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, America has a red, white, and blue. And I know we're a top nation. Significance <laughs> of the red. Mm-hmm. Even Mother Russia has red in their flag. Oh, Brazil. Since they have their martial arts now, has red in their flag. Even Africa has red in their flag. Red, black, and green. Significance of the red. Significance the of the red. The high mm-hmm. of the high. Everything that is considered royalty is red. The crown, the royal crown, is red. Red velvet cake, which is considered a royal cake, is red. The flash, let's get it up. Marilyn Monroe puts on a red dress. Mm-hmm. There's nothing sexier than a woman in a red dress with a red pair of shoes and red lipstick on, as they say. The prettiest car, they say, is a red Corvette Stingray or a red Mustang. Or a red Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You go to the business people. You want to see a person that's in charge, look for the person in a black suit with the red towel. You know that's who's in charge. Because mm-hmm. we represent of authority. Authority. Now, it represents high and authority. Now, let's go back to the Bible. If you get a, a good Bible, not a Dollar Tree Bible, a high dollar mm-hmm. Bible, it says all the words written that's spoken of God's word of Jesus Christ's sayings is all written where? In red. Do you have noticed that? Red of authority. Mm-hmm. High of high. That means it's a word of command. So if all of that is to be true, how do you allow? Significant. That's for, all you, that's for all you black belt instructors out there, all you grandmas who listen to this radio command, or whoever's on the Internet will hear this here or see this here. Mm-hmm. How can you allow your students to wear what you inspire to one day wear? Mm-hmm. A red belt or a black belt under the age of immaturity? Because, first of all, to wear a black belt, you have to be able to be mature enough to educate someone of teachings mm-hmm. they have to learn. You don't wear a black belt because your parents got money and can buy a certificate. A diploma meal means nothing. Mm-hmm. To earn a black belt, you had to have shed blood. Mm-hmm. To earn a red belt, you have to dedicate your life a minimum of 40 years. I might break down and say 30 years at a minimum. No, 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 no. But I say 40 years. <laughs> I'm not going to let you break it down. It's already broken down. <laughs> 45 and 50 30, years. 30, 40, 50 years of dedication. I say 30 years of teaching. Mm-hmm. Okay. That means you had at least 10 years of instruction. Mm-hmm. If you were a student for 10 years, 
30 years of teaching, that gives you 40 years of martial arts, minimum. Mm-hmm. At least. Okay. Then you had to go through the ranks of grandmastership to be able to wear the red belt. Mm-hmm. Okay. That puts you at 45, 50 years there. Mm-hmm. Now, it ain't something that everybody should wear because if a person dreaming of being a red belt, there should be with so many red belts out there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah. Now, you see mm-hmm. more red belts than you see white belts. Mm-hmm. Let me jump in here right okay. at that point here. Uh, Justin. Yes, Martin. sir. Uh, a lot of times the Taekwondo, Korean styles, they are the ones that got mad with the Japanese and wanted to discredit the Okinawans and the Japanese by degrading the grandmasters taking a red belt and moving it down to a brown belt level. Now, you talk to any Korean person, any Korean person out there will probably back me up on what I'm saying. That's over 50 or 60 years of age. They know how the Japanese treated the Koreans uh, during a certain period of time, and they was very uh, distraught with the Japanese, and they wanted to discredit them. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. They didn't mm-hmm. like the word uh, karate because it's a Japanese word, meaning empty hand. They changed theirs to taekwondo. They didn't want to use uh, anything dealing with the Japanese. Mm-hmm. So the Korean styles will say, well, that's represent our style. Well, the big misleading factor is that the belt does not represent your style, your instructor, your association, or anything of that nature. It represents your knowledge and years of experience. There is a significant reason for red, and Dr. McGuire has expressed himself, I think, very clearly on why red has authority. So from the Bible all the way down to karate uh, around 1922. Uh, and, and, and the other thing, uh, Taekwondo come out of uh, Japanese karate, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, because of the prejudice that they had and the way that they were being treated, that's why the Koreans did not want to use the red belt. And when they got accepted into the Olympics by being uh, well-organized and all, it popularized the red belts even more. Uh, McGraw, I'll let you speak uh, on, on that aspect. So the red belt does not represent your style. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Get educated. Wake up. Wake up. The red belt does not represent your style. The Koreans have brainwashed the people as to says, well, we don't do karate, we do taekwondo. You cannot put taekwondo into a whole separate category. It's not like aikido, jujitsu, or judo, or boxing, or wrestling. It is a form of karate. Now, you can call it whatever you want, but it is a form of karate. Do you do karate? No, I don't do karate, I do taekwondo. Well, you're still doing Korean karate. No, no, no. I do ta- What in the world does Taekwondo do any different than any other style of karate? Do you yeah. have dances? Then nuthead, it is karate. Do you have blocks, punches, strikes, and kicks? What does Taekwondo do any different than any other style of karate? You do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, if you 
uh, wrestled and if you bit and bite and, and, and took a baseball bat and hit people, then you might say your style is different. Taekwondo is no more than Korean karate. So quit trying to put Taekwondo in a total different category. The Taekwondo is only trying to brainwash people to get away from anything that deals with Japanese or Okinawan uh, set. So when you wear a red belt, it is a royalty. It is of high. It is the high of high. So you guys out there taking Taekwondo uh, and giving your students a red belt, you are doing a big unjust. Now, uh, let me say it like this here. If you have been doing something incorrect, wrong, for years and years, for the past 10, 20 years, it mm-hmm. may be hard for you to change. But once you find out what you're doing is disrespectful or is wrong, would you change or would you be so stubborn and stupid to keep doing the same thing for the rest of your years? So if you find out that something you are doing is incorrect, would you be man enough, woman enough to step up to the plate and make the change? Glad to say that the Traditional World Karate Association is educating people enough that they are making that change. Mm-hmm. Mr. McGuire, Dr. McGuire, if you could talk a little bit about the AAU and why these red belts and stuff is so prominent, I would appreciate it. I actually, before we get to that, uh, Dr. Moore, I have a question for you. Um, uh, are you doing Are you doing any um, seminars right now or anything like that? Not at the present time. I have one big seminar I do once a year, but we're going to start having three and four seminars uh, with our different members. But our mm-hmm. organization is set up that the people can call and go to to learn more about karate the history, dojo procedures, and about the different techniques. We have instructors that is ready, willing, and able to teach you more about the martial arts. We Mm -hmm. require people to be knowledgeable with the different systems. No, we don't know every style of karate because you guys are creating a new style every day. You want to be a soaky, you have changed this and that, you created this and that. Just because you change two blocks or you combine two stances in a block, you think you have created a new style. You haven't created nothing. The wheel has already been developed. Karate mm-hmm. has already been developed. There ain't nothing none of you out there can come up with that we ain't already got, that we ain't already have. Stop all that stuff talking about you created this style and that style. You haven't created nothing. The wheel has already been developed. We have had stances for centuries and centuries. Mm-hmm. What kind of stance can you get in that we ain't already got? What kind of block can you show that we ain't already got? We got a high block, middle blocks, low blocks, box, uh, backhand blocks, palm hill blocks, elbow blocks. What in the world can you come up with a reason? What mm-hmm. kind of punch can you come up with? We got a vertical punch. We got a hook punch, roundhouse punch, straight punch. You can't come up with no new techniques, no new style. All you're doing is combining some of the styles that we already got. So the wheel is already developed. Now, you want to put some white stripes around the wheel. You want to put some uh, checkered-colored blocks around the wheel or whatever. But the wheel is already developed. 
you guys mm-hmm. think that because you create some new style to be able to tell the public you created style, because like I said, you ain't created nothing because it's been developed. Karate mm-hmm. started in China in 525 A.D., and it came all the way on up. You ain't developed nothing that the old masters haven't already developed. Get educated. So uh, these uh, uh, Sokis and, and these 10th degree, everybody want to be a 10th degree black belt. Hey, come on, knock it off. The only belt that still have is understanding and pertinence and uh, meaning is the white belt. There's no other belt out there, even the black belt, that have the same meaning. What when you see a guy with a black belt on and he got a white stripe through it? What does that mean? Well, that's what it means in your school, but how about somebody else's school? It means something totally different. When a guy got a black belt on and he's got the, it trimmed in red, what does that mean? One guy got uh, a black belt and trimmed in gold. What does that mean? One guy got a black belt and it's uh, a checkered color. The only belt that has the meaning, the same meaning, is the white belt. Because when you see a white belt, you know it's a beginner. A guy with a blue belt on in this school means this. In that school, this association, it means that. Well, let's go back to the original colors, white, brown, and black. First it was only white and black, then we had white, brown, and black. We started competition, it was white, green, brown, and black. Mm-hmm. Now, if you guys want to put all these other colors into it, pink, turquoise, lavender, uh, a checkered color, uh, uh, camouflage, and all this other crap, well, keep it to your school. Don't come mm-hmm. out in a tournament and in public with all that uh, circus-looking crap. That would actually that would actually be embarrassing, don't you think? You know, to... Yeah. Yes, the belt represents your knowledge. Now, understand that. And that's why your kids want to quit dragging your belts across the floor and swinging it around and and hanging off your neck and everything else. Uh, the belt is your honor, just like your flag. You don't let your flag swing around, drag on the floor. The belt is your honor. And ladies and gentlemen, and you parents out there, the red belt, as Dr. McGuire has explained to you from uh, uh, God himself on down, it's mm-hmm. a royalty. It is the highest. Dr. Kano, uh, starting judo and all, came mm-hmm. up with our red belt for our martial art. And the red belt is the highest belt in all of martial arts. In Aikido, it, it is the red belt. In judo, it is the red belt. In jiu-jitsu, in uh, karate. No matter what style, it is the red belt. Now, you guys got to start speaking up. Step out. The Let red belt is for the Let top. me add something to that about the significance of red. I didn't get to add to that. Go ahead, Dr. McGuire. Everybody knows, everybody knows that Valentine's Day just passed. Mm-hmm. If you didn't give your sweetheart one of the few things, either red box of candy, red roses, red tulip, or something red, because every woman for Valentine's Day desire anything red. You think about that. But that woman eyes, you think about that red tells her she's queen for the day. Mm-hmm. And that woman say that's of the highest of high. Mm-hmm. If she's satisfied, then you'll be a happy person. 
Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, make a, make a mental note for that for next Valentine's Day. If you get your sweetheart anything, make sure it's red. <laughs> I'm telling you now, you think about it now, how significant it is. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that we created. It's been that way from the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. If God himself has done it, he has, he has done it. If you ever notice, let's, let's look at this right here. If you mm-hmm. ever seen gold, real gold, what's the only thing that can melt gold? It's red hot fire. Fire has to be hot as red. Red mm-hmm. fire has to melt gold and steel. Mm-hmm. Okay? Red is the hottest it can get. Red fire is the hottest steel. When you see steel being melted, you know it's, when it's hot, it's red. Mm-hmm. You can't touch it. That that is very true because the stove is cut on mm-hmm. on your mm-hmm. cooking stove. It sits there cold. It's black. But when it cuts on red, cuts on hot and cooking. The high is high. Mm-hmm. When you turn on that high, it's red. Significance of the red. Significance mm-hmm. of the red. With your blood that runs through your vein, your life force, your life force in your body. Is red. Mm-hmm. When Jesus Christ told man that when the soldiers come to kill the firstborn son, right, he said, take the blood of the lamb and mark on your house with red blood. Mm-hmm. And they would go by. Significance of the red. Significance of the red. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, I shed my red blood for you. Significance of the red. Mm-hmm. Whenever you draw a picture of a heart and a kid color in a coloring book, they color the heart red. The red is important. Mm-hmm. It means love. It means peace. It means importance. It means leadership. It means authority. It means high. It means everything that is of in charge. Mm-hmm. So how can you put a child in charge of someone who's been doing this for 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Mm-hmm. I just want to um, thank my guest for being on the show and um, and take this time to um, to say thank you uh, to both of my guests for having a phenomenal show. And I would like you two gentlemen to um, and you can take as long as you need. And we will start with uh, Dr. McGuire and then end with uh, Dr. Vic Moore. You can share your final thoughts with my audience. Um, that would be that would be wonderful. Okay, Dr. McGuire, go ahead. Say that again. I couldn't hear him quite clear. You have uh, any final words you want to say or anything? Go ahead. Yeah, any any final thoughts you have, uh, Dr. McGuire, and you can take as long as you need. 
And I just wanted to say real quick, uh, thank you for being on the show, and I I hope that um, one day you will grant me a one-on-one interview, and you're always welcome back on the show. Well, thank you, Mr. Harvey, and I have a pleasure to do that. That will be a pleasure of mine as well. And I want to thank my instructor for introducing me to you. That is the legendary Grandmaster Big Moore, who has uh, brought us together. And I also want to thank I want to thank you, Mr. Harvey, as well, for even hearing me today. So that has been a play, and your listening audience. And I want to thank all of the Karatikas who have been educated today, because on the next time that we get to interview with each other, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that we can have some live feedback. So. They can understand that the true essence of martial arts had nothing really to do with our belt colors. Mm-hmm. Martial arts begins inside our hearts and minds and souls of the individual karateka. Yes, sir. Like Grand Matthew Moore said, we can take off all our belts mm-hmm. and do karate and just find out how long you've been in it and match a person up for that. And then you can see what you have really truly learned. Mm-hmm. And if the belt was to disappear and see what a person learned, then you'll find out who's real and who is not. But mm-hmm. to keep from embarrassing someone, you would say, take away that red belt from mm-hmm. those who do not have 40 years or more mm-hmm. in karate. Because... I will no longer stand beside a child with a red belt on and have respect for that instructor that gave it to them or that grandmaster that allowed that instructor to give a child a red belt Mm -hmm. because I earned mine through blood, sweat, and tears and dedication to the art that I love of karate. And for those that are in taekwondo and tang sodo, Mm-hmm. I also hold black belts in that style of karate. Mm-hmm. As the Grandmaster has said, Tang Sudo and Taekwondo is still karate. <coughs> a kick is a kick, a punch is a punch, a block is a block, and a strike is a strike. No matter what nation that calls it a different name, because mm-hmm. it's just as easy as Americans to say, we create our own style of karate and call it a different name, but it's still karate. <coughs> or we could easily say Vic Moore and Bill Joe Lewis created a new style of karate, American kickboxing, and call that karate if they want to. Mm-hmm. They call it American kickboxing mm-hmm. because they took away. They didn't add to it. They took away. And that was the original mixed martial arts. Go ahead, Supreme Grandmaster Figmore. Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to say, um, Mr. Harvey, we really appreciate this opportunity, and we want to thank the listening audience for just uh, hanging in there with us. We know we, no doubt, probably have lost a few, but for you that have stuck throughout the whole show, we thank you. Mm-hmm. Dr. McGuire, again, I always like to have you with me. You're my spokesperson. And uh, 
ahead of us because we're doing a motion picture, and there's a documentary that is out on me mm-hmm. uh, done by uh, Mr. Alex Cole up in New York. And if you guys would, go to YouTube, Grandmaster Vic Moore, the man that fought them all, and it tells a big story about Vic Moore and especially our Bruce Lee uh, 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 fight. Mm-hmm. Well, our contest, I really don't want to call it a fight, even though we did spar afterwards. And likewise, I was very successful with that. Uh, a little bit more about me. As I said, I've been in the martial arts for 64 years now. I started back in 1950. My... Uh, first instructor was uh, Ron Williams out of Cincinnati, Ohio, who studied from the military. I studied Goju-Ru uh, Karate from Harvey Eubanks out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And one of my main teachers was uh, William Dimitrik, who was head of the uh, Shitaru in the United States when we first started with Kempo and then Shotokan. And he studied with Dr. Shitosi personally himself. Mm-hmm. I had a privilege of working in some of his seminars, Dr. Shitosi. And I studied with uh, Jim Wax in Cincinnati, Ohio, who studied with Anse Yushiro. And I studied with uh, Barry Yusudo in uh, college at the Central State uh, University, who uh, was part of the Japanese Karate Association, Shotokan, which I wasn't permitted to join the Shotokan. Uh, Japanese Karate Association because uh, no doubt I was black. Americans couldn't join the association back then, Mm -hmm. supposedly. And I studied with uh, my main instructor, who I carry to this day as my main instructor, uh, O-sensei, Grandmaster Robert A. Trias, who brought karate to America in 46, started the first karate association in 1948. I was the first chief instructor for the United States Karate Association. Mm-hmm. I was the first red son, and I was one of the first ones to be indoctrinated into the Trius International, which was the first Hall of Fame of its sort. And being the first black in that organization, and also uh, defeating every national champion out there. And... Um, Training the chimpanzee karate is some of my uh, credentials there. But uh, now I serve as commissioner for the Traditional World Karate Association, which is a licensed agency for all karate schools and black belts to get certified by meeting a set of national standards. We have a set of standards that you meet. If you don't know them, we'll teach them to you. Every student has a certain requirement for every belt color. We start as white, and we go to white, yellow, blue, green, purple, brown, three classes of brown and black. But there's a age group for each belt level, and there's also a certain number of techniques. From showdown on up to 10th dance, we require a certain number of techniques. And mm-hmm. by saying number, we mean a certain number of stances, a certain number of blocks and punches and chops and kicks. We have more than two or three stances. We have more than five or six blocks. We have more than three or four punches. We have more than five or six kicks. We have many techniques, and because of your instructor or your style or your school do not teach all of these, 
then you may have been shortchanged in learning all of the aspects of karate. Mm-hmm. So our association try and educate you to learn all of the different techniques, and you can reach us uh, by our website, which is TWKA, the initials for Traditional World Karate Association. Mm-hmm. And I started this back in 1975 when it was just the World Karate Association. Hanson, he finally picked up and had all the money, and he over-dominated our traditional our World Karate Association. So to be separate, we put traditional on it. And we are the old dojo of traditional karate. And uh, you can also reach me, and I, my home number is uh, 910-253-5555. Mm-hmm. And I'm available. I'm open. If anyone have any comments or questions they want to ask me about, or if you feel like chewing me out or something, just call and I'll let you chew me out. I'll sit there quietly while you get teed off, because I'm teed off with some of the stuff that's going on in karate myself. If if somebody wants to chew you out, uh, Dr. Moore, something's wrong, and also... For the people that want to chew you out, you should get uh, your chimpanzee to answer the phone. That way she can take those calls for you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, hey, uh, I've studied all the major systems of karate. One of my main instructors is Dr. Moan Gee, who's in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Gee is one of the authorities on Bondo Karate, and he's also was my kickboxing instructor. And... Uh, uh, just give me a call sometime, but we want you to join the Traditional World Karate Association if you for traditional karate. Now, mm-hmm. I meet a lot of people who are Vic We don't believe in all them little katas. Well, we don't believe in uh, those blocks and punches and stuff. Well, then, okay. Well, we still can be friends. We can disagree, but we don't have to be disagreeable with one another. So we invite you to join the Traditional Karate to give support to traditional karate. Mm -hmm. So again, I want to thank the viewing audience, uh, the listening audience, and I want to thank uh, my comrade here, Dr. McGuire, and also Mr. Harvey, and hope that uh, we can talk again. So give us your comments. Uh, Speak Mm -hmm. frankly, as we have, and we hope everyone has enjoyed the show and has been enlightened and educated. And with this, uh, mm-hmm. may God bless you. I thank mm-hmm. you. And, and Dr. McGuire, please call me within two minutes, sir, so I can so I can get you know a promo from you, sir, and then we'll be all set, and I can drop it into the show. Okay. So. Thank you. Yes, sir. And have a blessed day. You, you too, and everybody. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Justin Ray Harvey. Thank all you for right. listening. Okay. Take care, guys. Yes, sir. Let me get me a pen. Mm-hmm. You did a good job. Good job.